0: Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area.
1: Well, let us remain standing for the reading of God's Word this evening. We'll be reading from Genesis chapter 4, the first 15 verses. This uh, sermon this week is called Cain's Battle with Sin, with Temptation. Next week, we'll be looking at Christ's battle with temptation, just comparing the two events laid out in Scripture. So Genesis 14, verses 1 through 15. If you have your Bible, please turn to that passage. And as I read this, keep this in mind. This is God's word. This is God telling us the truth of life as we see it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment's greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive, a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Let us pray. Lord, this is a striking story of a very sad event of a brother killing brother. Father, help us to understand why Cain got himself in this dilemma the best we can from your word. For Lord, the same temptation crouches at our door, wishing to take us, but we must rule over it. We pray, Lord, that you would guide me, your preacher, that I would preach only your truth. Guide these, your people, that they would hear your truth and apply it to their lives for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. After the fire season of 2020, uh, FEMA had gotten many requests for financial assistance for repairs to homes and reconstruction and fire damage and so on. But it turned out in California in 2020, be ready for this, 95% of the claims were turned down. Let's to that again. 95% of the claims to FEMA were turned down. This it uh, obviously struck the attention of law uh, politicians, so there were hearings had, and NPR followed up on this story as the House examined the situation. Why weren't people given money to be reimbursed for fire damage? Well, they found out, for example, in San Mateo County, there was 1,486 requests to repair 18 houses. I'll read that again. 1,486 requests, individual requests, to repair 18 houses. 83 of those requests said their houses were burned to the ground. But there was only 18 houses burned to the ground, according to the fire marshal. Why? Well, it's easy money. Government bureaucracy. It's file a report. Maybe we'll get some money. Maybe you won't get any, but hey, it's a chance. Maybe they will send you a check even though there was no damage at all. It basically came out, the fraud, lying, the desire for money, the temptation, too great, government bureaucracy. I can get this by, I can explain it. few pictures, little things here, little things there, and the check will be in the mail. Temptation, such a, such a marvelous creature. It can get us when, well, when we're not looking, which is a, ironic to say because Usually we're looking for trouble when we're tempted. Temptation is not out there merely as an innocent bystander to the days of our life. Temptations find their life and vitality in our desires. Tonight we come and talk about a man who was tempted. Next week we'll talk about Jesus. He was tempted too by Satan. But tonight we'll be looking at Cain's battle with sin. We'll be looking at three points for those who are note-takers, so you can follow along. First, we'll be looking, surveying the tragedy, overlooking all the historical events that take place in these verses. Then we're going to back it up and focus in on the trial. What exactly did Cain face? What was was going at him in this time? And we'll look at, finally, in third point, seeing the truths. So, surveying the tragedy, scrutinizing the trial, seeing the truths. Okay, surveying the trial. First of all, let's see how the events panned out here. I begin with the first two verses I call it The Clan. The story of chapter 3 is known to you all. It's the disastrous fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, of eating the forbidden fruit, of being exiled from paradise, sent out of Eden. But they have the creation mandate, they are to multiply and fill the earth. And the opening verses tell us Eve has a son, she says, I've gotten a son. And that's literally the Hebrew. I, I, I got a man. I got a man. And the word Cain means to get. Get. got a man. Was, was she possibly thinking that Cain was going to be this one who crushed the serpent's head? She gave birth to another son, his name Abel. It means breath or vanity. not sure why that name at that point. But it might be that Cain got... The focus. Why do I say that? Because, I mean, Cain grew up in his father's footsteps. What was Adam's responsibility? To tend the garden, to care for it. He was a farmer. He was an agriculturalist. And that's what his eldest son did. He was a farmer, too. The second child, he was into animals. He took care of sheep. He was not a man of the ground. Different boy. Then comes the confrontation. We're not sure what point in time in the life of Cain and Abel this occurred. We don't know what the difference in age between Cain and Abel were. We know that Adam was 130 years old when the third son was born, Seth, Genesis 5.3. So I'm, I'm assuming that both Abel and Cain were older. Older meaning they weren't teenagers. They may have been in their 20s or 30s, but they weren't children. But that's just supposition on my part. But they bring an offering. We're not told what this offering is about because there's no um, law given about the types of offerings. The word used in the Hebrew carries the idea of a tribute gift, a a gift of of tribute, of of honor. It was not necessarily a sacrifice for sin, but giving honor, giving thanks to God. Well, the text tells us that Cain brought the gift that he knew best, his agricultural product. He brought it before the Lord The offer as a tribute to God. Where Abel, he brought the first of his sheep, the fat portions, the best portions. God accepts Abel's sacrifice, but he has no regard for Cain's. Why? There's some explanations. Some say, well, Abel's sacrifice was a blood sacrifice, and sacrifices had to be a blood sacrifice. And that's very appealing, though the wording of it as a tribute offering doesn't make sense for a blood offering, but, uh, you know, it, it just sounds good as a Christian. Could be. Another observation is that the emphasis on the firstlings and the fat portions, that is, Abel gave his best, is very best, the very first, the prime, where it's just a general statement, fruit from the ground. Any old fruit? thats a possibility, too. But we really should use the best interpreter of all, and that is, is Scripture. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. I'm not devaluing those two interpretations. There could be truth to them, but Scripture does give us the clear explanation why in Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. So that tells us volumes. One, it was an acceptable sacrifice. Whatever that meant before God, it was acceptable. Two, is the fact that It was commended as righteous. He was commended as righteous. He gave from his heart. There's a heart aspect to it, which is really driven home in the last phrase. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel's relationship with God was different from Cain's, plainly put. Abel had a better handle, if you want to use that term, on what it means to have a relationship with God than Cain did. And it didn't help Cain. Cain was rather angry about it all. He was very upset. Why didn't you accept mine? Those of you with little children know what this is like. When one child gets something and the other doesn't get it, they get angry. <laughs> but God does something amazing here. Note verses 6 and 7. If, if you're a highlighter person, like you, like underline, highlighting, these are verses really to highlight, to think about and meditate upon. Look at them. After it said in verse 5, so Cain became very angry and his face fell. So obviously he was upset. His physical countenance showed his anger. You know what that's like. When you walk up to a person, you know you can see if they're angry at you. Man, when you come home and you're running late and you didn't call your wife (laughs) and you see that look on their face, you say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I should have called. But notice the next verse. The Lord said... Cain. Wow. The Lord intervened. He didn't let Cain stew in his juices, so to say. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? It's a problem. That's a strong question. And we, we can confess our sins and, and, and say, Lord, I, I, I did wrong. I am sorry I did wrong. I should not have said that. I should not have done that. I am sorry, Lord, please forgive me. You know what the next question we should ask ourselves? why did you do it because you don't ask that why question guess what you'll do it again because you are really not asking the heart question at that point so it's not like confessing the wrong but why do you do the sin what do you get out of it which is so important that you'll go against the God who gave his son to die for your sins but back to our text why you're angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. The Lord enters the picture. He speaks in mercy to Cain. He didn't let Cain just go, bear out his feelings. He shows him a way out. We'll look at this in more detail in a moment. But this is Mercy is mercy given to him the pathway of deliverance the pathway of, of getting out of this situation of his anger asking the question why can get him out of this this pit he's in but that's not what he does verse 8 the crime cain's heart was set he was upset his brother knocked him off his brother got more than he got he let Cain, therefore, let his anger continue to burn, spoke to his brother. They went out on the field. He rose up and killed his brother Cain. John speaks about this in his epistle, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 and following. For this message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him there's that question why again and why did he murder him because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous Cain wanted things his way he didn't want to do it Abel's way stubborn yes foolish yes but isn't this what happened in the garden and God said you can have all fruits of the garden except for one tree and what do Adam and Eve want? the one tree really doesn't that boil down to the sin in our own lives when we're tempted you know how wealthy you are how rich you are and all the things you have but yet you're willing to sin to get things you want and that's us well, then we flow down in verses 9 through 12 to condemnation. God again appears to Cain and with another question, where's your brother? And such a callous, such a, a cold-hearted statement. Am I, bribe, am I my brother's keeper? Why ask me these things? I don't know. Uh, Cain must have slept through his catechism class because he didn't believe God was sovereign. Okay, But somehow that he could get away with this. No, God says, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out from the very ground that you get your good feeling from as a farmer. You polluted the ground, with the very blood of your brother, the ground that you feel that you have worth from. See the irony in that? He was shown mercy, but Cain went his own route. Therefore, the ground is cursed for him. It will not produce any more for him like it had produced before. It would no longer yield. Cain would become a vagrant, a wanderer, estranged. Already Adam and Eve were estranged from the garden. Now we've got estranged level, part two, going further away, moving away from God. Cain didn't like that. He has a complaint. Doesn't happen whenever you discipline your children sometimes. You say, okay, you asked for it, you told you to be quiet, so therefore you're gonna sit in your room, or no, you cannot do this tonight. You cannot watch your favorite video, you cannot play your favorite game. Oh, that's too mean. (laughs) Come on, dad, come on, mom. And that's exactly what Cain says. Wait a minute, the punishments do great. Look what the text says there in verse 13. My punishment is greater than I can bear. And just see the tears rolling down his cheeks. Oh, such big alligator tears! Oh, the punishment! Behold, you have driven me today from the ground, the ground that I love as a farmer, and and from your face I shall be hidden. God, you you will no longer come to me. Should have thought of that, Cain. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. I won't have a farm. I won't have parents. And whoever finds me will kill me. Wait a minute, Cain. You just went out and killed your brother, and now you're worried about getting killed? I mean, you sort of got the ball rolling here. But again, God shows him temporal mercy. He puts a mark on him. We have no idea what this mark is, but it was not a mark of stigma. It was a mark of safe conduct. It was a sign of mercy of God. As Derek Kidner says in his commentary on this this passage, he said, God's concern for the innocent is matched only by his care for the sinner. I'll read that again. God's concern for the innocent is matched only by his care for the sinner. How God cares for sinners in this world, providing food, safety, protection. God's mercy is beyond anything we can comprehend. Yet we complain. Well, let's back up then. Let's scrutinize this trial, for example. Now, let's see what happened here. I see this in three parts. The test, the temptation, and the tactic. Back to verse 7, please. Verse 7, when the Lord speaks to him, he said, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Why are you angry, Cain? Well, my sacrifice was rejected. Well, on the surface, that's true. But it goes much deeper than that. We're back to that three-letter word, why? In my years as a pastor, when I would get the phone call at 10 o'clock at night, Pastor! Pastor! My wife has left me. She's just so mad. You need to talk to her, Pastor. She's left me. I don't know what's happened. After being a pastor for 40 years, I started to realize about most likely about 10 or 15 years of happenings caused this night to occur. But just then your wife got up one night and said, I think I'll just leave the night. I mean, let's have some fun. I'm gonna go out and just leave you. And it didn't work that way. And I don't think this. Conflict between Cain and Abel just happened this one day with the sacrifice. It was brewing. Conflicts always do. They never come instantly. There's there's a road up to this. We're not privy to it, what it involved. What we're seeing is the culmination of it. And I I don't like reading too much in the scripture because that's that's tertiary. I I don't mind scripture I see as a trunk of a tree. And you can see interpretations of that scripture as a branch. But to put a branch on a branch, that's too far out. So I'm I'm not going to anticipate what happened here. But we do know that Abel's sacrifice was right in its presentation, not just mechanically, which, though, I think is true because, as Hebrews, it's said, a more acceptable sacrifice, but also from his heart, where it is said that he was commended as righteous and through faith he still speaks. There is a difference in the heart. Cain's fruit of the ground. May have been fine fruit, would have been wonderful fruit, perfect fruit. But the problem was his heart. And that was manifested by his anger. His anger that his sacrifice was not accepted. He could have responded, my sacrifice is not accepted. Why? What am I doing wrong? I must be. God would surely accept my sacrifice if I was did something that was acceptable to Him. So I, I obviously, I'm doing something wrong. That would be a nice response. That would be we'd say a mature response. That would be a, a godly response. No, what's His response? Anger. Why didn't you accept my offering? And accept His. Fact is, Cain knew very well why his sacrifice was not accepted. James 4.10 reads, "Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There's no humility in Cain. Jesus tells us in Luke 6.45, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And I think that speaks wisdom, exactly what happened to Cain. Cain was a bitter man. For he had his way of viewing life that did not dovetail into how God saw life. and Doesn't that boil down to our problem with temptation? When you commit a sin, is it not you wanting something, desiring something that is wrong? But you have either justified it in your mind, felt it in your heart, and let your bodily desires take control of you to do it. We don't sin because, oh, I didn't see that coming. I just sinned. That really surprised me. No, it grows out of our heart. Cain did not want the right thing. Simply put, he wanted his way. He didn't want it on God's terms. He wanted it on His terms. Which brings us to the temptation, verse 7b. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. If you do not do well, if you follow your path, Cain, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. The, The picture here is you're at the door of your house to step out, and there's a beast out there ready to jump on you. It will not come into your house, but if you go out that door, this is what the painting we have before us. Crouching at the door, so desirous for a cane, you have to make a decision. If you go and pursue your sin, you go through this doorway and pursue your sin, you'll be taken. You'll be taken. Now, Peter speaks about it later in the New Testament, 1 Peter 5 eight. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If you have read at all the problem with people with sin, this is particularly evident in people who get caught up in pornography, that it, it goes in stages and, it, and, and this person gets addicted to it. And drugs are the same way. You, you don't get addicted to 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 something light like marijuana no you, you want a higher high and you keep going deeper in and deeper in and deeper in the same thing with pornography and and other things you know a, a thief a thief never ever steals a million dollars the first time around it's a 10 or a 20 to get away with it so next time it's 50 or 100 and they get away with it then it's the 200 then you keep going up because you can do it you can get away with it That's how temptation works. It will devour you. Cain, and you have to decide, are you going to, Cain, brother, are you going to submit the sin? James 1, 14 and 15, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. See, it's not saying out there saying, okay, I'm going to get you here. I'm going to plug this new desire into you. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a desire you never had before. I don't want that. To keep out of me saying, no, it's what we really want. That's the saddest part of the story. It's not that sin gets us, oh, get away from sin. Oh, I'm all dirty by sin. I fought really hard. Don't stay away, sin. But no, we wanted it. Think think of your least favorite ice cream. Maybe you know you like ice cream, so that's easy. Think of your least favorite ice cream. If I put a dish in front of you, guess what? You're not going to eat it normal, are you? (laughs) But if your favorite ice cream is chocolate, pistachio, chocolate mint, I put a dish in front of you, even if you're on a diet. And that aroma oh that's so good just a little bite but well maybe two little bites and then oh you see how it plays out it's our desire desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death it's our desires what are our desires Cain's desires was not to some Cain's desire was not to submit to God he had to choose he had to say no to that desire to have life his way and trust God's way that's a battle we face day in and day out, with our own hearts. It's our battle, too. And what is the tactic here? Verse 7c, 7c, you must rule over it. Pastor, I, I believe in grace, not works. Yeah, that's, that's true. We're saved by grace. But sanctification is by work, folks. It's saying, no to sin and trust in God, taking his promises at face value. This phraseology, I'm sure you've heard this before, that sin crouches at the door and but you must master it. It comes echoed also in Genesis 3:16 about the relationship between a man and a woman and, and, and uh, the, the fact that uh, the woman wants to master her husband. Same wording used here. Same word. but you must master sin. You must master it. Which side are you on, Cain? do you really take me as your sovereign God? You see, unless we recognize sin in our life, that these desires will be there. And they will be there in our lives because we're sinners. The, the temptations will be there. And, 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 and at the chocolate mint ice cream or, or cherry ice cream or, or whatever, it's there. When it's placed in front of us, it's hard. But we need to realize, look, I have a bad desire there. I need to deal with it. It's not right. If Jesus was here right with me right now and I'm, I'm, I'm going to commit this sin, would I do it? No. But guess what? He's right there. He sees it when you sin. He sees what you see. He sees how you speak, how you think. He is there. Cain had to fight the desire. He had to fight it. That's nuts and bolts. I can't make it any simpler. The Lord makes it very clearly. You must rule over it. You can't let your your simple desire win the day. That's the battle with sin, and it's nuts and bolts. But you might say, Pastor, (laughs) whole dark story. (laughs) Very depressing here. We have murder. We have rebellion. We have failure. And then you're painting me in that corner with gain. Well, let's work our way back out. Let's see some truths. Let's wrap things up here three points first of all answers your action is necessary as we consider Cain if we're really honest we're seeing ourselves Cain is no different than pastor Herman or Richard or Norma or anybody else in this room we're all in the same battle and now that's really helpful because we can t- we should be able to talk to each other those whom we trust of course and say, I'm struggling with something. Can you pray for me? Boy, that's that you know, the best thing against sin is light. Sin takes place alone. How many times you commit sin in public? Hey everybody, I'm gonna commit sin. Look what I'm looking at here. See, see, look what I'm looking at. No, we do it in the closed closet, we we, we do it in our bedrooms, we 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 do it in the privacy or conversations. It's hidden. Put light on temptation, put light on sin. It, it, it please. We need each other. We need each other. We, we need to realize it is a battle, and we need each other in that battle. If we were in the military today, the military's uh, slogan is "Leave no one behind." You fight as a team. The military has found that out again and again. If you get into a military action and the enemy's fighting you and each man fights for himself, you're going to lose. Because when the going gets tough, you're going to run and take care of yourself. But if you stand side by side, there's hope. There's hope. That's why, as we read this morning, we need to be ready to confess our sins. Confess our sins to one another, to be encouraged by one another. Here's some passages to think about. 1 Peter 5:8 and following. Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not alone. The sin you're facing, the temptation you're facing is not something unique to you. It's the big lie. First Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Ephesians 4.26 and 27, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Ephesians 6.10-11, to 11, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It's a battle and we need each other. The answers are there. The Lord says, come. As J.C. Rao wrote, we are evidently no friends of Satan. Like the kings of this world, he was not against his own subjects. The very fact that he assaults us should fill our mind with hope. Satan doesn't go out to the fallen. Satan doesn't go out to the, 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 the pagan. They're already in the camp. He goes out to you with temptation. It's a battle, but we need each other. This is where Cain lost his battle. He, he, he let his own desires drive him, he didn't seek help, then go to his dad. He didn't rule over his desires of his heart. We need to act. Secondly, assistance, your aid is nearby. Isn't it amazing God came to Cain? He came to Cain. He gave him the way out. He showed him the way. Great mercy. You are his own. You are his own sheep redeemed by the blood of Christ. Will he not give you more mercy and grace? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. God says this, not me. God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And Simply put, there's a way out. And that's exactly what God was telling Cain. Cain, here is the way out. But Cain didn't follow it. Why? He wanted to. He wanted his own desire. And God is telling us through Paul, there's a way out. Even in the worst temptation, there's a way out. You will not be tempted beyond your ability. But he will provide a way of escape. What a hope. What a hope we have, Christian. What a joy we have that even in the toughest times of temptation, there's a way out. There's a way out. God does not leave us alone. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of our, of us of all our trans- trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to a cross. Your sins are paid for. Jesus loved you enough to go to a cross to die for your sins. He wants you to have Victory? Mastery? He wants you to trust him. He doesn't want you to fall back into living for yourself. He's taking you out of living for yourself to live for him. God gave his only son. Will he not also give us all things we need? Do we really, really, really believe this? Next week we'll be looking at Christ and his battle with temptation in the wilderness. And how he overcame it. That's why Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews 4:15 and following. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, every respect, let me drive that point home. Every respect has been, tempt- has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Christ faced everything we face in temptation. There's nothing new. Oh, Jesus, you didn't experience what I'm experiencing. No, he did he did he knows what it's like we have an assistant right at hand a shepherd who comes and takes care of us we have each other to encourage we have a Savior who is nearby to give us aid which brings to the last point assurance your access is never failing Cain gave it up he gave it up and went away not so with us Because we're in Christ's hand, Christian. God has taken you into his, Christ has taken you into his hand and you can't be dropped out of it. And you may fail at that temptation, but I can tell you something. If you ever saw the movie Groundhog Day, that's what you're going to do with that temptation until by God's grace you say no. (laughs) Simply put, because he wants you to grow. You're going to go through that road again and again and again till you say, Lord, you're right. And any of you who have been Christians for a number of years and who have wrestled with that sin that always pops up, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking about. That's why I say the importance of asking that question, why? It's just not merely, Lord, I sinned, I was wrong, I should not have done that. The question is, why did I do that? Why was it so important for me to say no to Christ and yes to me? What was I getting out of that that Christ could not give me? Ooh. Reading on in Hebrews 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might find mercy, might receive mercy rather, and find grace to help in a time of need. The Lord is there to help us. The Lord's not going to let you go. He wants you to be strong. Many people say, and and I can understand the, the angst, why does the Lord just take us to heaven? Why do we have to live here and go through all these things in life, these problems, these issues, especially if you're a parent and you lose a child or lose a husband and you're taking care of your children or you lose your job, uh, somebody has really hurt you, one of your children have rebelled terribly, uh, and, and there's such angst to say, Lord, why didn't you just take me home when I became a Christian? We don't have an easy answer to that other than the fact All of this prepares us for glory. All this prepares us for glory where we trust in Christ and Him alone. Christian, we all struggle with temptation. It's not easy, but the Lord is there to help you. Trust Him. Go to a brother, a sister whom you trust, and ask them to pray for you. And if somebody comes to you, don't condemn them. Think for a moment. You're there too. And it's by the grace of God you're not where that other person might is in their struggle with sin. Be there for one another. Shine light amongst yourselves. Pray for one another. Check on your brother or sister. Encourage them. Show love and compassion. Battle those sins. That develops your character and your strength as a Christian in your trust of God. Christian, our God loves us. He sent his son to die for our sins. Let us go in faith and trust him, even in this battle, for we are victors in Christ. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for your promises. We thank you, Lord, for your, your presence to help us through times of darkness and trial. Cain failed ter- terribly here. He had opportunity to overcome, to deal with his anger, to deal with his 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 jealousy or whatever was burning him inside. But he said, no, Lord, help us never to go there. Help us, Lord, to turn back to you, to seek your face. Help us, Lord, to seek, a, seek out a brother or a sister in Christ whom we can talk to. And, and help us, Lord, all to be compassionate if someone does come to us and share a dark story. May we pray for them and encourage them and, and move them in a good way and love them. For, Lord, the, dark, the evil one does not want that where we trust you and trust your promises. Thank you, Lord, that you will not let us go. Your love lasts for eternity. Thank you, Lord, that you're causing us to grow, to build us up in our faith and trust in you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you this evening. We thank you that we have a God who who just doesn't splash salvation on us and walk away, but you go to the very heart of hearts, you go to our inner being of who we are, and cause us to grow in our trust and faith in you. Thank you for such deep, real love, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've benefited from this ministry and want to know of ways you can help or support it, we'd like to make you aware of our new capital campaign to build a new building. God has recently blessed us with growth here at New Covenant. Over the years, our church has been small. It's gone up and down, but overall things have been tight financially and the church has been small. Now, by the grace of God, we are growing we believe it wise in light of this to think about building a new building to facilitate even more growth. Our current building only seats 72. We cannot fit any more seats and if we were to fill every single one, every Lord's Day we would have no more than 72. The plans for our new building would more than double the capacity and enable us to grow to a point where we can be stable financially and even be able to help other churches. One of the things that we want to to be is a church that is able to look beyond itself for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We believe that this new building can help us get there. And so we are praying that God would provide for us the funds needed to build a new building, that we would grow to fill it, and that one day we would even be able to plant a church ourselves. As you know, doing ministry here in the Bay Area, is a very dark place. Uh, There is a great need for the light of the gospel to shine, particularly in this place through the preaching of the word. And so if you want to support us and to to support our efforts to see this new building built, please consider giving a financial gift to this end. You can give by sending us a check with building fund in the memo line. Our address can be found on our website. You can also give by Zelle by sending the money to nc.opcssf.treasurer at gmail.com with building fund in the memo line. May God bless you with a greater knowledge of his word and zeal for his name.